episode of the Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. The Roost is part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. So I'm not going to lie, you weren't here for the last episode, but I had to do the intro myself. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you know, it's the, the it's the fan on the couch like. I could make that free throw or I could hit that baseball or I could get a, you know, that kind of thing. You just like, it's not that bad. And then I did it. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to, I'm going to be honest. I did, I did three different takes and, uh, (laughs) and then I settled with a third one and I said, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get it good, quite good enough. So it, it became good enough and it just had to work for the time being. You know, it's, it's all about the reps. It's just, you just gotta, you know, it's gotta, gotta keep going until it's muscle memory. This is, this is the, uh, I'm the, I'm the backup coming in cold off the bench. Yeah, I haven't yeah. been preparing like I was the starter to use another, uh, you know, fall <laughs> camp catchphrase. I mean, yeah, it's the, what, uh, Little League was my highest level of athletic prowess, so it's not like I have much to draw on here. But football, not baseball. Football season. We were just talking. We have games this weekend. Yeah, it's, not it's, week, ze- it's week zero, y'all. Navy is playing in Ireland. So we got AAC action. I went and updated my schedule, and I got rid of everything that said CUSA. And now it's AAC update. Sounds so cathartic. I, I You know, I, every... Every couple of weeks, I thought I have rid myself of everything CUSA, and then I find something else that, oh, actually, I need it. But I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be like watching. It's, like, it's everywhere. I'm going to be watching a lot of, like, Tuesday night, like, Western Kentucky against Sam Houston State football because, I don't know. I might have I mean, a, I might have a not, problem. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, we're here for Rice. Uh, I guess a couple notables off the top. We had the second scrimmage wrapped up this past weekend. So we're done with scrimmages for fall camp. Uh, I have write-ups for this uh, the scrimmage that just happened, the prior scrimmage, some takeaways. Ooh, I posted one of my favorite pieces that I do every year on Patreon. Actually, just went up on, on Monday. Uh, time of recording about uh, I guess rising stars guys that are not starters that I think are going to be studs and my hit rate I mean I'm defining it so obviously I'm going to be kind of generous but I'm batting at least <laughs> like like 65 70 percent something like that over four years pretty solid kind of feels like cheating I had to take I had to take Landon Ransom off of the list he was originally going to be one of my rising <laughs> stars. But uh, yeah, and this has changed maybe since last time we talked about offense two weeks ago. I- I'm pretty confident a 17-year-old is going to be a starting wide receiver in week one against Texas. Yeah, I was I was going to say, do we need to go back and redo the whole wide receiver segment? Because it sounds like there's been some uh, updates on that front. Well, it was like, hey, you know, like, he could be really good. We like him. And then they were like, okay, let's give him first team reps. Okay, let's give him more. Okay, I don't think he's allowed to leave the field. So that escalated quickly. But uh, I guess this Sometimes is a, when a that promo. Door, 
when that when that door cracks open, they uh they don't they don't get a foot in it. They uh full on throw the shoulder through and and swing it wide open. Yeah, and I think this is a some pub for this is the first year that they done early enrollees for high school students. And Landon Ransom was one of those four. And he I asked him about that after the scrimmage. And he said the decision to enroll early was one of the best decisions he's made in his entire life. And I said, okay. And so far it looks like it's paying off. So that'll be our addendum to the offensive conversation. Uh, Landon Ransom is, is a dude and, and got himself kicked off my rising stars list for being too good. But it would have been real, so easy to just chip shot it up there. But then he had to go and be fantastic. So I guess that's okay. That's up on Patreon, patreon.com slash at the roost. We got uh, Q&A stuff coming on. As always, I do a monthly Q&A. So if you have any questions about what's going on in the World Race Football, uh, I'm taking those questions now. Send them in however, and those will go up. We got a couple uh, this month that should be interesting. Um, I think that's it. Uh, other thing is I'm I'm staring at an email of updates from Homefield. I guess last, like, you know, uh, order of business before we get rolling on defense. Monday, August 28th is Homefield Day. I guess how big of a brand do you have to be before you just claim an entire day as your day? You know what? I, I think it's one of those things where you just uh, you claim it and you keep claiming it until someone stops you. And uh, I think that's fair. Who's going to stop Homefield? What day is the roost day? Ooh, that's a great We're question. Working on. We'll have to come up with it. So, yeah, Monday, August 28th, use the code ROOST, R-O-O-S-T. And if you've been thinking, man, I like rice stuff, and I don't know if I want to buy a, a Colorado School of Mines or Southern Illinois gear, well, buy Homefield gear. That just has, I'm guessing there's going to be some Homefield logos. And I'm not going to lie, I'm already itching to get new things, and I think that is my <laughs> excuse to, to go get something that, I don't know. I'm looking at this list. They have a Delaware State collection dropping the day after. And I like the blue hens, right? I could go for some blue hens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Uh, the fighting so we Joe got... Flacco's. Oh, man. Every every school like that has that one guy that you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'd forgotten. About it. Someone made the comment. It was a Ben Roethlisberger is he like Ball State or something like that? Uh, that Miami, the other day? Miami, 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 Ohio. Yeah. There you go. Who is uh, playing the University of Miami this year? We're gonna yeah, get, Miami, we're, Miami. We're finally getting uh, Miami squared, which is fantastic. So yeah, there's your uh, your weekly uh, I guess detour through college football and collegiate apparel. Uh, go to Home Field Apparel, use the code ROOST, buy something fun. Tell us, send us a picture of what you bought or send us stuff. That's that's preferable or acceptable as well. Uh, that's that's all I have on my housekeeping notes. Uh, did I miss anything? Should we talk defense? Rice? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's 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 time to talk defense. Uh, defensive line or safety top to bottom? Um, I'm undecided. Defense? A defense. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. <laughs> they, they yes, we will do the defense. <laughs> the line. Yeah, let's do it. All right. I have a proposition. Okay. My proposition is Rice lost three 
senior grad veteran players on the defensive line, and they are better in 2023. Am I crazy? Or do you somewhat believe it? Or do you completely believe it? I somewhat believe it. I think there are the, the, the optimist in me that's always getting bullish at this part of the season says this like, is I peak mean, peak optimism time. Right. Yeah. So like you're looking at the talent right now, like I think Piercy's going to continue to emerge. Coleman Coco has been amazing all off season. Deraylon Carroll seems like he's kind of getting back more to his, him, his old self that he was pre-injury. Blake Banish has been great. Like it feels like a time where everything's going to kind of come together. Um, there is a part of me in the back of my head that's saying like, yeah, you don't usually use, lose, you know, that many experienced starters and get better no matter, no matter how optimistic you are about the talent behind them. But I, I, it, it doesn't feel outlandish to, to say that this, the defensive line should be better this season. It, it feels reasonable, even if, Maybe that's not the way it ends up being, but it doesn't feel like a hot take at this point. Yeah, I've been trying to like process and work through this because, you know, Trey Schumann had he was he was like one of those old like six shooters, right? Like you got six shots with him. They were really explosive shots like he was a really good specialist in his role, but you only had so many snaps that you could play him last year as his body just just broke down. So that was a a situational guy, which you would think with how well they've recruited, you can recreate that kind of piece. Uh, Quint Titt was a a good depth piece and had some good plays, but wasn't a difference maker, which uh, DeBraylon Carroll, I'll get back to that, should be a difference maker. And then Akina you have is the guy who, I mean, is an NFL talent, got hurt in camp. Um, I think got cut with an injury settlement. I haven't seen if he's resurfaced anywhere, but he was the kind of chess piece that you could move around to different places. And he's the one that, you know, you miss the most, but as I kind of was working through this and I've been kind of watching DeBraylin this during camp, it's been interesting because, you know, he had the Achilles tear prior. I mean, gosh, was that two summers ago? Something like that. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. It was July of 2021. So went into last season, was feeling pretty good. And then I remembered him getting nicked up at the beginning of the season. Uh, I was talking to him the other day and he said he had a high ankle sprain the beginning of the game against Houston. And he said, yeah, I I basically wasn't at 100 percent for the rest of the year. Um. And so he was he was playing hurt and doing the best he could. But we and and you kind of you think back and I'm like, man, I'm thinking through like, did I have a like DeBraylin just destroyed somebody and wrecked a game moment last year? And I'm like, um, maybe not because <laughs> he just wasn't there. And you watch him this year and he had a series and a practice last week where I think there were three successive plays where he either got a sack or got into the backfield and forced a throw away, like just completely shut down a drive by himself. 
I'm like, that was the Debraylon Carroll that we were talking about getting. And we didn't really get last year and we didn't get in 2021. So I don't know. I'm kind of buying in like that you lost some. I'm not belittling the guys who were here before. You lost some great pieces, but you get actual real life Debraylon Carroll. And you add in Coleman Coco. And I'm like, okay, those two plus Josh Piercy, Isaiah Floyd, that starting four. I think you have four guys that could be on the spectrum from like just a guy to game changer. I think all four of those guys are closer to game changer than just a guy. Yeah. And you like, yeah, again, it's, it's tough to lose a lot of experience, but one, it's not like you're, this is not one of the situations where it's like, Oh man, we lost all our guys. And now we're turning to a bunch of totally unproven freshmen and sophomores. Like, most of these guys are guys who have been in the system for a long time. Uh, Coco kind of is in sort of a one-to-one uh, substitution type thing with Quintit, except that based on off-season performances, you expect Coco to be kind of an upgrade there. Uh, and then uh, if DeBraylin is the, I don't know, a matured version of the player we saw him as in 2020, the last time he was fully healthy, like there's giving you a lot of the production that Akena did. So like it's, it's, if you're looking at it at a position by position thing, like it starts to feel a whole lot more like, okay, this isn't just, you know, being kind of high on your own supply here with the the guys on the team and 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 you know, getting too optimistic about their potential. Like looking at them one by one, it 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 feels totally reasonable to say like, okay, well, all of these guys are at least have the potential to be like real playmakers, and that would definitely be an upgrade over what they tended to have last year. Yeah, I think the floor of these starting guys is a good defensive line. And yeah. and I think the upside is all there. I think I think where it gets interesting for me is the depth. Because uh Damone Green, I spoiler, he might be featured in my rising star article. <laughs> hint hint hint. I am such a big believer in Damone Green. I think he is going to be special. Uh but he had a splash play when he got in uh, last year. Um, man, that was early in the year. It was a home game. Um, I think him and Chibi like went back to back and had some big plays. So he he's had some moments. Uh, but you're talking, you know, the other guys tested. Um, still a young guy, uh, redshirt freshman, but like an actual redshirt freshman who's only been here on campus for a year, <laughs> not like a. <laughs> fourth year redshirt freshman. Um, so he I'm interested about Blake Banish. Somebody has to be a backup on the interior of the line. So I think that's Blake Banish right now, Isaiah and DeBraylin starting, but that'll cycle through. I, the rest of the interior, I I'm not I'm not sure about. El Royal Morris has had some good reps, has had some good situational moments. But he's a guy that you can't just bank and say, well, he's going to be solid and maybe be great. We just we don't know. And then the rest of the the rest of the edge position, uh, Chibi's kind of had flashes. Van Heitman has kind of been a role player for this team in couple past couple years. Uh, I mean, you have a uh, uh, Matumbo 
who like has been working with a third team on defense, but he like he looks like like a third year, fourth year player is like, that's not like an 18 year old kid. He looks like a giant. So, you know, they got, <laughs> they got good bones, which counts for something. But this is a part of this unit. I, if you're telling me there's a couple injuries, like we were really high on the wide receiver room and then they lost a couple guys. And now we're like, Ooh, we had to rethink it and we're starting to get better. I feel kind of that way about the defensive line where like, there's some guys, I think they will be okay. But, man, part of what set this unit back last year was the pass rush wasn't good enough. And I think it can be if you have those guys healthy. But if you're losing them and that pass rush suffers, I get really nervous about the entire defense. Yeah, it's like your starting group, you feel really great about. And then they have enough guys between Banish, uh, Green, like, there's enough for like a solid top six or seven, I would say, like a full complete rotation um, that you would want to be subbing guys in to get everybody kind of the appropriate amount of snaps. And like, as long as that group is reasonably healthy, like there are plenty of, of defensive line rotations that'll run with fewer than six guys at times. But if you're, as long as that group stays fully healthy, then you've got great starters, good depth. If you lose more than, like, I don't know, in injuries are going to happen, I would feel okay if, you know, one starter is down for a little bit. If it's two, start to get a little nervous. If it's, I mean, granted, like, what in what position group? Well, that, yeah, this is that, this is the true with all of them. But, like, yeah, right. I, I think it's, this is a group that I would be, I would be more, I don't think the depth is there. When we get to some of the other positions, uh, but I, th- I think they just there's less room for air here. Yeah, you you need enough guys at these positions, and they really have just enough for a full good rotation if everybody is healthy. So if if you start losing some of those guys, things get a little hairy pretty quick. Yeah, and I think it's been interesting. We talked earlier about the scrimmages the first scrimmage was all defense second scrimmage was all offense uh i think the d-line is kind of an interesting in between because i think they played pretty well um the the rush i I mentioned i i feel really good about the run defense they've kind of gradually taken a step like the 2020 unit was like lights out like what top 15 in the country or something like that Uh, the rush defense in particular has kind of fallen off uh, the past couple years gradually since then. And mm-hmm. that was a part where I watched uh, Dean Connors, like just, I mean, he probably had a hundred all purpose yards and two touchdowns easy. And then Juma had several big runs and, you know, you and I have been like the champions of the bandwagon of the give Juma and Dean the football, <laughs> you know? So like awesome, but also like watching them gas the D line. I kind of got nervous at some point. So I don't, I don't know what to think if Juma and Dean are all that we thought they were and the D line will be okay. Or if maybe in Juma and Dean are just, just okay. And we should be even more worried about the D line. So it's always somewhere in the middle, right? But that's a part where uh, just question marks on this unit. uh, I'm kind of going to want to see how that shakes out. 
yeah, it's so I guess I guess in some reasons for optimism, but also kind of a cross your fingers type unit. Yeah, and one that I think if we talk big picture of the defense, I think it has the potential to make the biggest impact because I think, man, if the if the D line clicks this year, I think you can cover up a lot of other things. I think in years past, they've had to bounce back and forth, you know, Russian coverage. I think this is your man. If your rush is good, I think you can help out a bunch of young guys on the back end and make the defense appear a lot better than maybe all of the individual pieces. Yep. And, so we'll if and then they're doing great up front. Then that uh, cleans things up for the uh, next group, uh, the linebackers. I'm really interested in this position, man. I didn't I didn't think I would be going into fall camp because I thought it was going to be pretty cut and dry. And it's odd for a I position think... with two returning starters for her to <laughs> like have a lot of intrigue to it. But yeah, this is fair. So uh, I guess first things first, uh, Chris Conti has been here all camp and has been great. Uh, you know, looks like himself. No issues. Uh, write him down. Mike linebacker check. Uh, Myron's been out a little bit. He's practiced in and out. He didn't play in the past scrimmage as a precaution. Of, I think he's got an ankle issue uh, that he's dealing with. I don't believe. Well, I'm not going to speak out of turn. I, for I- Indication is I think he's going to be OK, but. We'll kind of see where that goes. I think we'll get him back and I'll get some more. Uh, I haven't gotten into like legitimate, like, like, are you going to be available on Tuesday updates? Because we're so far out from Texas, but <laughs> we're about to be not that far out from Texas. So yeah, I'll have to get, uh, yeah, uh, stay tuned for some game notes and practice notes. I'll have injury updates there too. But that being said, uh, it's been uh, Chike Anabugu who has been in kind of filling in for him. I guess Chike has been like, uh, he was a safety. He's been like, he's, of course, he's played all over. Guy. Yeah. yeah, he's done done a lot of things for this team. So he's kind of filled in. But what I think is interesting. So I guess unpacking one idea at a time, uh, I think all things equal beginning of the season. I think Myron Morrison and Chris Conte are your starters. Um, I think Myron's range and ability to be flexible and cover is differential and really important to this defense, especially with some of the younger guys on the back end. Uh, I think uh, Chris Conti is going to, whoever's in that mic spot is going to have to make a lot of tackles. Like this is nothing new for, for this defense. Yeah. So that is uh, anything else about those two guys. Uh, not really. Other than like, I mean, you note about Myron and coverage um, and that's just like, it's such an important, no matter what kind of scheme you play these days, like, whatever linebackers you have off ball linebackers you have on the field, like you have to be able to depend on them to play shallow zones and pick up running backs and tight ends and coverage. Um, so having a guy who is as versatile uh, defending the pass as he is in that spot is really, really big. Yeah. That's why I I'm, I'm beginning to think more and more that he's a guy that has to, is going to be on the field maybe a lot more than I might have initially thought. And, you know, he was one of the guys that made the trip up to uh, Arlington for media days. And obviously he is one of the leaders on this team, and that counts for something um, on that front as well. But 
with that said, I want to dig a little bit deeper because one of the things that is really interesting about, I think, fall camp in particular is there are a lot of opportunities. It lasts several weeks. You have a chances to give a couple guys cameos. You know, we talked about Landon Ransom at the beginning of like, hey, here's your chance. And he just ran with it. And you're like, OK, we can't take you off the field. That's fine. But one of the guys, I think, on defense that has just kind of blown my mind and he just, whoa, who was that? Those kind of plays uh, has been Ty Morris at linebacker uh, freshman who's come in, came in. I I believe he was the highest rated member of this incoming recruited class or if, it, if he wasn't. So, yes, if he wasn't one, he was two. He was up there. They might have re, rejiggled, rejumbled, whatever after the fact. But he is a guy that I see him in the offensive backfield more often than I see him in the defense. <laughs> like he's just he his first step when he goes is so explosive and he just bursts through the line and nobody can block him. And it happens once you're like, oh, that was cool. And it happens against the twos. And you're like, that's neat. And then he starts getting he gets a couple reps in against the ones in the scrimmage and he just kind of blows past the offensive line and you're like, okay. And then again, you know, the conversation of, is this about, you know, the defense is this about the O line, you weigh those, but like, he's just a guy that just keeps making those plays to the point where I'm like, man, you keep doing that. And he's just athletically, he has an upside and a, a level of talent that I think some of the other guys in the room might not have that ceiling. So he's one that I'm circling. I do not think he's he's going. He's not going to start week one. But man, we get to October. He's one of those guys, if he'd had the spring that Landon had to come in and learn, I would I would not be surprised if one of these position battles wasn't a lot closer than it is right now. So he's yeah. one that I want to circle. And then I want to go right into another one, because uh, for those who were there at the scrimmage, uh, DJ Arkansas was back on the field. And this is a guy, I think he's played one game in, what, three years at Rice? And it was the UAB game last year, and he was just a menace, could not be blocked destroying linemen uh, athletically and I bet you just about everyone in the building would back you back me up on this. He is one of the most talented athletes on this football team. So yeah, he, he was, I believe the number one recruit. So I went and checked, uh, Ty ended up second in this past class okay. to Ashton Ojiaku. I'm sorry, Ashton. I have not looked up how to say your last name yet. Um, he made some good plays too, but I don't think he's out there yet. But yeah, we'll learn. We'll yeah, so D DJ's a guy I've been looking forward to uh, seeing his breakout when he's he's finally healthy and puts it all together for a while now. Both of these guys were kind of hybrid kind of safety linebacker types in high school um, and are now kind of moving to full-time linebacker at Rice. And it's, it's interesting with those type of guys because you 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 get the theory of the case and it's like, okay, you you bring these like hard hitting, you know, like bigger safety types into the box and they you know, still have the coverage ability better than most linebackers, but they hit really hard. And then, you know, sometimes you get guys like that in and, and they face a pulling guard on a power play and just get absolutely erased into the mud. But there, <laughs> there are some dudes who are just 
kind of like heat seeking missiles, man. And it doesn't really yeah. matter that they're not that big because they just I I wish I had a less cliche phrase than have a nose for the football, but they just have that <laughs> sense of timing and instinct and how to shoot gaps and slip between blockers and make a play. And uh, I would love for one of the, one or both of these guys to really, um, even as solid as you saw it as you feel about about Conti and Morrison, like to see one of these guys like grab a consistent role and just because that. That kind of disruption coming from the 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 off ball part of the defense is something Rice I feel like has not had since uh, Blaze. Yeah, since Blaze was on campus, and that is just, and with him just, it was the range. Yeah, because Blaze Blaze was not a big dude. Like no, uh, he never was. He, he could just play. he could reach every corner of the field, and he got there with power. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, his final uh when he was at Mizzou, he was listed at six two two twenty, and there's no way he was two twenty most of his time at Rice. Um but yeah, I I would love to see one of these guys just grab a roll because just having that that human cannonball at linebacker is just even forgetting what it does for the defense, it's just so pleasing to watch aesthetically. <laughs> Yeah, I love say, watching a guy I, just like see the play and then just like shoom, like right through the gap and just, you know, get you that three yeah, yard num- loss on an outside run. Number of plays that you will get your team on Sports Center is like not a good way to like coach a football game. But <laughs> I think if you have DJ Arkansas or Ty Morris on the field, you will get more plays on Sports Center. That that I that's <laughs> yeah and, and and as they progress and and man get get assimilated into the scheme and if they can just DJ can just stay healthy man like this is a guy who picked Rice over Arkansas and his last name is Arkansas like that <laughs> happened like I remind you all like that happened like this guy is legit uh I didn't know this was going to turn into my uh, me opining about DJ Arkansas's potential tonight but here we are. Yeah, so I... Pining and opining. Yes, all of the above. Yeah, I... Needless to say, I, I think that we were talking about it, the D-line depth and us having some concerns. Linebacker, I feel really, really good about this room. I think it might mm-hmm. be one of the most complete rooms on the team. And there's even a couple guys... That I mean, like Andrew Alway is a guy who has, you know, played and done a lot of things and been available and, and played some key roles in the past. You have um, Kenny Seymour uh, has been in at times. There's a couple other guys that ha- have been functional players and helpful on this defense that I think if you're telling me those are the guys who are your fifth and sixth, seventh options, then you're I'm 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 happy. Yeah. Not not the ones and twos. That's extremely so. good depth for for a position where you don't need to play that many guys at once. So, yeah, this check the box. Feel really good about the linebacker room, and uh, corner safety. What's I guess back? Yeah, I guess 
corner first. I think so. Even though it's not, I'm I'm drawing my my map in my head of plays, but I think you have to talk about corner before safety, even though safety is like above linebacker. Uh, corners, uh, it's Jordan Dunbar and Sean Fresh. No surprise. Easy. This is Done. your next year three. I think. Yeah, it's been it, pretty. It's pretty consistently those guys. I think Sean has. Uh, maybe put on a little bit of weight, um, maybe a bit stronger. This I, and and I'm talking like actually not the like best shape of his life. And, <laughs> you know, we we get all that every year, and I'm not gonna go. You know, reiterate he, those things. He grew before. four inches this off season. Yeah, I think of guys that I've had had comments made to me of um, folks who really like what they've done this off season. Uh, Sean Fresh is one of them which I think is going to be an interesting development to watch in this defense. And I'm talking like throw the Texas game out because man, that they got some receivers and yeah, yeah they got on dudes. that team, but they got, they got dudes and then they got a couple of other dudes. And then I was looking through the depth chart uh, today and I was like, Oh yeah, they got a transfer from Georgia and they got this other guy. And I'm like, yes, come on guys, this is not fair. Uh, but anyhow, throw the Texas game out. There were games last year where I think about Louisiana Tech was probably the the one that sticks out the most where the opposing offense was just like, let's throw the ball at Sean Fresh all game until Rice figures out how to stop it. And when you're what is Sean Fresh? Sean Fresh is listed 5'8, 175. Uh when you're 5'8", 175, that's going to happen where opposing offenses yep. are just going to decide we're going to pick on you. So uh, Sean Fresh did not get any taller. Uh, he's, a, I think he's going to be a little bit more tougher. But I also think that I've heard of all of the new position coaches, I've heard really, really, really good reviews about Jeremy Modkins and kind of his tutelage under Gary Patterson and kind of what he's brought into that room. So I'm hoping that infusion of that a couple more tips and tricks is going to help a little bit. And it's, he's still the unquestioned guy. So I, I think that you've had a whole year to kind of look at the tape. You have a new coach in the room. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to try and trick myself into thinking, yeah, Sean fresh is now six foot one and 200 <laughs> pounds. And like Kumbaya, like, I think that's still going to be something that this defense is going to have to deal with, but I am cautiously optimistic that they will be a bit more better prepared and Sean is going to be a bit more capable in figuring out, Hey, how do I, how do I set, set myself up to deal with those problems? Because they will happen. Yeah. I think just having the experience that you have in those guys um, and really in terms of the depth, I mean, Remember way back in 2019 when we were like, oh, wow, Treshawn Devones, true freshman, starting corner. Like, he's still on the team. Um, had a had a pick in the second scrimmage. Yeah. On a bit, bit of a YOLO ball by A.J. Padgett that probably didn't need to be thrown. But he made the pick. 
And he's looked really good. I think, you know, when he kind of came in, he was thrust in and was like, hey, you, do you remember like the corner rooms of like 2020 and 2021 where there was like yeah. one healthy guy standing and it was like, uh, hey, who, uh, Miles McCourt, you were in Juco last year. Can you be our number one, please? Because we need you to. And, and Miles McCourt ended up being solid. But I think Trayshawn Devones is another guy. He's been uh, battled a lot of injuries. He's a guy that I feel really, really good actually is, is being a two. Um, if he's that backup guy and you're saying, Hey, somebody goes out, you need a breather because Jordan Dunbar is going to play every single snap that he is healthy period full stop. But if you're bringing in somebody else that, Hey, we need you in a pinch. Can you finish out the rest of the game? Something like that. Like Trayshawn Devones is he's solid. Um, he's pretty athletic. He's, done this before he's played up against some good corners and fared well i feel really good about him being the two in and that scenario talking about depth right so he's a solid depth piece the other guy uh, is lamont narcisse who he played a good amount of slot especially early on last season and he got nicked up a little bit. And then I think Gabe Taylor, actually, I was watching back some of the games from end of last fall. Gabe Taylor actually played a lot more in the slot than I remembered, like watching it. So uh, I think Lamont, he, he'll probably get some work there. He will always obviously also have another role as a reserve to fresh. But you're talking about uh, Jordan Dunbar, Sean Fresh, two multi-year starters, Trisha Devones, Lamont Narcisse, two guys that have played in multiple in, in multiple games over the past couple of years. Uh, I think the corner room is, yeah, you always want the extra guy who's 6'2", 220, but in lieu of those guys not often showing up at Rice, uh, yeah. I, I feel pretty good. Um, this is a room that I don't really have any serious concerns about. And I think I think Jordan Dunbar, like, can just lock take guys out of the games yeah like jordan you feel extremely comfortable about elbow out sean's gonna get picked on at time but like i don't know show me a, a group of five team anywhere in the country that has two like top cor- that like you know doesn't have a weakness a relative weakness sorry sean at one of the corner spots like lockdown lockdown corners are hard things to find there's a reason not a lot of college teams ask their dudes on the outside to just sort of man up and play down the field. So with and the it's, experience it's a in the room, bit. yeah. It was tricky a little bit in this defense, too, because this is a defense that's going to do that. They're going right. to leave these guys out to dry and say, hey, we realize you're going to get burned sometimes. And, like, we understand. Like, that's not the game plan. Like, you don't want to get burned, but it's going to happen. So, like, as a fan, you might sit there and like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they did that. But, like, it lets them to build the rest of their defense by setting it up this way. So, yeah, you don't want to get burned, but it's going to happen. Also right. note that if you're going to play corner in FBS football at five foot eight, you have to have something differential. Sean Fresh is the fastest player on this team. Yeah. Like, pretty feel pretty confident about saying that I had multiple people. I, I actually, I was talking with Gabe Taylor last week and uh, you know, every defensive back wants to talk about how fast they are. Right. And I said, so who's the, who's yeah. the fastest guy on this defense? And, and I said, and then it, or it, we actually agreed that in the non Sean fresh category, 
So then we started talking about other, you know, other, other players <laughs> on the team. I said, not, we had to set Sean Fresh aside as, okay. So uh, nobody's going to get past Sean Fresh. And if you add that and you add some athleticism and, and you get your angles right, like, I, I'm not burying Sean and saying I don't think he can be a good corner. I oh, think no. he can yeah. do a good job for, 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 for Rice and, and what they need. But um, it's just – it is what it is. Yeah, you don't play corner at uh, basically my height uh, on the FBS level. I don't care, group of five, whatever, uh, unless you've got some serious juice. Every time I see a football roster and, and I see people, I'm five foot six. Okay. So I see people, and I think I, Cam Montgomery was officially listed at five six. I was, I was taller than Cam Montgomery. Uh, and I remember walking, uh, being handed a roster sheet of when I started. Uh, this is Cam Montgomery was here for like, what, 14 years? It felt like at some point and it handed it. And I think he was officially listed at five five. And I said, How in the world is there a player on a scholarship? In D1 football, that is five foot five. And then I, I watched him when he was healthy, just running like the wind. I was like, oh, okay. I get it. So if you're going to be short, you got to be special. And I, him and I, maybe the second fastest, Kobe Campbell on offense, wide receiver, he's five seven officially listed. So they got some speed. This team is actually a lot faster than they were like two years ago. Like, man, you kind of, it sneaks up on you. Can't teach it. Is, yeah, there you go. They were. I had some folks telling me about like speed drills and stuff they were working on this summer, and I was like, that, "That's interesting. How fast do you think you can get by like training to be faster, like marginally, like ten percent? What is that? I don't know. These are the questions that yeah, I have. Great. I'm not a. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna leave that, that, is, that time. That is beyond my mind. knowledge of uh, <laughs> exercise science and kinesthesiology, I suppose. I'll tell you, I haven't gotten 10% faster. I'll, I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't think I've trained nearly as hard as some of these men have. No. <laughs> uh, corner, I, I think those are big names. Uh, safety is... High. There, is a, there is a big name here. There is a very big name, Gabe Taylor. Big name in a lot of different respects. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think he's great. Um I think he is going to, by virtue of moving over from strong safety to free safety, uh, I think that they're going to let him be able to get into the box a little bit more and be closer to the football. I think that's a good thing for him. Uh, I think, you know, you think about all of his high school tape. He was just the center fielder who hung back there and, and took the ball away and, you know, frankly returned like half of those for touchdowns which we would take some Gabe Taylor pick sixes. But I think, man, he would have been, I don't have it in front of me. I think he was top four or five in the team last year in tackles or pretty close. So I think you're going to get a lot of him up front. I think that feels pretty good. And then I am, I'm intrigued by. Yeah, he, was, he was tied for third in total okay. tackles on the team last year. I knew he was up there. That feels about right. Yeah, so he is, we're circling guys who just won't leave the field, period. Uh, Gabe Taylor is one of those guys. He is, you know, we, they talk about positionless safeties or guys that can play a couple different spots. Uh, he played all over the field last year, and he's a guy that, especially as you're trying to mix and match and figure out the best combination of some of these younger guys, uh, he's going to move. I, I, 
we did the exercise, and I think you had a film room of this a couple years back with uh, Treshawn Chamberlain, where you just followed him from snap to snap to snap, and he just yeah. moved everywhere. Uh, he Gabe's not going to play Viper this year, but I think we might see Gabe doing a lot of boom, boom, boom all over the place. Yeah, they're they're pretty flexible in how they line. Like, uh, obviously, the Viper position is one that that does holds a lot of different roles that are played by different players on a, on in other schemes. But um, they're pretty flexible with how they use a lot of these guys. And Gabe Taylor is definitely going to, like you mentioned, how much he played in the slot last year. And uh, they're definitely going to use him as a chess piece uh, in in manipulating matchups and and giving different looks to offenses because he's he's just got that kind of skill set yeah and like this is i guess this is his third year like he started playing like football senior year of high school and then you had the covid year so he's still like everyone has the we, we debate this thing with returning production like is it good that you're getting the same guys back well maybe like but we that we don't really know how much to account for of how much better can you like actually get uh Gabe is a guy who has like been doing this a short amount of time that I think the upside of the potential to grow is still relatively high so I think we could definitely see better Gabe Taylor than last year who was one of the probably the most consistent or I guess he was one of we talk about game changers. He was the one of the guys who had the propensity to make a play that was going to change a game. And we could be getting, I guess, a bit more consistency and some spike plays on top of that. So I'm in. Gabe Taylor, sign me up. Uh, the rest of the safety room is is gonna be interesting. We've had I'll say Mark <laughs> Marcus Williams and Play Wyatt have basically gone, you know, bumper to bumper, start to finish through fall camp as the starters at their position. Play Wyatt at Viper, Marcus Williams at, at strong safety. Marcus is a guy who, so George, when George went down last year and they had to do a bunch of moving and mixing and matching, uh, Marcus was a guy that they kind of put in and he actually played a lot last year is kind of he was never the plan but the plan kind of broke down a lot and then became hey marcus could you please help and so he actually has a good familiarity for both of the main safe like safe strong and free safety and can do a couple things and i think that understanding of the defense that's like oh man that's such a like a camp catch-all phrase <laughs> but i i think it counts to some degree i think that understanding of the defense is going to help him uh, stay on the field and let let the defense kind of do a couple more things. I think that's his biggest differentiator between what he uh, brings to the table. And then honestly, like the first like three or four guys behind him switched positions to safety <laughs> like this <laughs> spring. Yeah. Uh, like half of the corner room switched to safety. So like it's not like I'm not like Christian Edgar, former quarterback, is probably not going to see meaningful snaps at safety for this team. Hopefully, but like Jojo Jean has gotten reps with the second team at safety. He's been really good. Peyton Stevenson has actually gotten a lot more run than I thought. I think there's a real scenario where he's a backup at one of these positions. So I, I, I feel pretty good there. I think that's young talent that, and again, if 
you don't need all 11 guys to be superstars like to have a good defense yeah i i, I and that's unreal like you're not gonna get 11 superstars right. on a five defense you are not you might get two or three like and if you have an elite defense you get four or five and you're like wow and so i i think i, I like where that spot is at i think viper's interesting because play wyatt was a guy that came in with gabe and it's just been hurt and there was a lot of pretty high yeah. expectations for him when he was going to be able to get on the field and he's done everything right so far uh i mean all the cliches of like his work ethic and how he's attacked his recovery i've heard sometimes you ask those questions and you get the canned responses right and sometimes you're just standing there and someone has to go out of their way to say, man, like, let me tell you about this. And those are the those are the comments that I pay most attention to, because when I ask the direct comments, it's like, OK, yeah, what else is he going to say? But I've heard a lot of a lot of positive things about play. And it, I, I mean, I watch I see he's making plays, uh, making plays. <laughs> <laughs> we need more play Wyatt uh, on the field, if for no other reason than uh I can make some jokes, man. I, I almost derailed my entire train of thought because I'm thinking <laughs> about uh, he, he had a, he had a pick six in the scrimmage, which was great. We like pick sixes. Defensive scores are good. So I, I really like him. He's done really well. Shepard bowling is the guy kind of behind him that has stepped in. And all of these Viper guys are like converted, uh, converted linebackers or converted like, actual safeties kind of in the in-betweener guys yeah. and so uh, bowling transferred in from army uh was linebacker and has kind of kind of picked up the coverage aspect and has looked pretty good i i, I feel pretty solid about his growth and where he's come from so i i think you got a bunch of guys in the safety room who should be solid i think you got gabe who we're banking on to have a big year and then i think um you know, all things considered, this is where I kind of talked about tying it all together. I kind of thought that if you have a really good rush, then I think you're going to let some of these guys learn and play at a pace where their hair is not on fire all the time. And I think it could work out really well. If you don't get a productive rush, this is a safety group that is young and sans Gabe not as tested. And that's where I'm like, man, this could get dicey early if for nothing else then you got to get some reps against people that aren't wearing your same jersey. <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at with this room. Yeah, I think it's going to be big for this group to just be able to, if if they can get pressure with the front uh, to even as sort of man-heavy as this defense can be, as, as much as it sometimes ask guys to just sort of, of like work on an island even sometimes at safety, um, not as much as a corner, but the being able to get pressure with four and just kind of play the numbers game in the secondary. So where you're not having to ask guys to spread themselves too thin or kind of be on an island, it's going to be a really, really big thing. Um, and the more numbers you can have back there and the more focused the the roles can be i guess like that i feel like that gives you more opportunities for gabe to kind of make plays and you're not necessarily asking him to 
mask any any other mask other I don't want to say deficiencies, but like you know have to kind of pick up the slack for guys that are still kind of getting used to their roles. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a weird position to have like one guy that is just sort of a bona fide superstar and and everybody else be like, mm. so we'll see. We need to uh, we need to clip that that sound <laughs> effect of how do you feel about X? Mm. I think the good thing about this position group is that if you feel good about a lot of other aspects of your defense, which I think we do at this point, especially if the defensive line is healthy, then it is not impossible, but it is sort of hard to force for offenses to force safeties to be the weak link. Um, Yeah. About to say, if you have to cheat somewhere and you're, you're divvying up, we see this with the NFL, right? Like what are the most important defensive positions? Uh, you, you pay defensive linemen and you pay corners yep. and you see some, some linebackers get drafted in the first round and like maybe a safety. So I think if yeah. you're al- aligning these up, you got to feel pretty good about, you know, where the experience and the, the big play potential is, I think at least on the defense. Yeah. Overall, I, I think it's interesting. Last year, the defense kind of took a step back. Um, it, I, you know, I don't think it can be worse. Not knock on wood. Like it's it it had just was a really tough year last year. Injuries and just just things were not clicking. I, I that there was no pass rush. I think if we have a pass rush, man, this defense can, can be better. Uh, I think this might be the first year. I think we talked about it on the offensive show that I feel better about the offense than I do about the defense, but I think this should still be a middle of the road defense. Like that's the baseline. Like, I don't know if I see elite elite 2020 potential in their future, but they got like, we just talked through so many dudes. They have so many dudes that I don't, like they're not going to be bad again. Yeah, no, I I think it Solid. would be really surprising if we didn't see like a pretty decent rebound from from last year. I, I would love to see even higher than that, but even just getting back to kind of the middle of, of the pack defense would be a a solid step forward. Can I throw you an expert transition curveball? I guess it's not a curveball if it's an expert transition. <laughs> Although I now I've told you about it and you saw it on the show sheet. A, sm- so, a smoothly and, banked curve. Yeah, there you go. We'll get it all in. Uh, so we we closed out the offense section with more or less. I think this kind of helps us flow out or I guess flush out the rest of our thoughts. I went back and I pulled the numbers. All right. I thought this was interesting. Uh, in 2023, the Rice defense allowed 34.2 points per game. Oof. Which when I saw that, I was like, no, like it wasn't. And I was like, well, you had like the billion like point game against Louisiana Tech and you got blown eight fifty eight, or had just a couple bad. Just like what the UTSA game? Like, OK, OK, maybe. Yeah, maybe it did get up there. So thirty four point two allowed in twenty twenty three. The twenty twenty defense, which is our like high water mark for, you know, D.C. Brian Smith and, and the Owls. Uh, 18.8. So you're talking about a decline of, oh, uh, what, two and a half touchdowns 
in three seasons. So my, my question was, uh, I don't think this is going to be a 2023 defense or a 2020 defense. So let's put it smack dab in the middle, 26 and a half. Is this defense better or worse, more or less than 26 and a half points per game this year? So. And just like, as we think some like context, 26 and a half would like last year would have put you like roughly like mid sixties yeah, in like the country. So in like the smack dab average. So I'm going to say, I, I just had to go and look the 2019 defense, which was also extremely good. Not as good as the 2020 defense. They were 25.9 points a game. And that I think comes from having to play teams like, that was a they Texas, Texas year. Did they play Texas that year? Yeah, nineteen twenty-one, I think. Yeah, um, teams that the twenty twenty defense did not have to play uh, that with a talent differential like that. Um, so between playing Texas, um, the possibility, uh, like, you know, I, I'm just gonna say I'm not super optimistic that Rice is going to like. UTSA uh, from scoring a decent amount just on a schedule thing comparison of 2020 to 2023 I think the raw number is probably a little closer to 2023 so I'm going to go a little above that so maybe hopefully like a little below average at scoring defense if you restrict that to just conference games um, then I think I'm going to be optimistic and say bumping a little below that. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good number. I'm I'm going to go say a little yeah. bit more, too. Uh, in part, just because the Texas offense scares me. I don't really care who's a quarterback. Um, I, yeah, maybe it'll be Sark's, a Manning. If it, Sark's going to try to run it up, y'all. Like, just be prepared for that. Mentally, like, I don't, yeah, I don't think he's going to call the dogs off. And if, uh, hey, if Rice plays at a level where that it doesn't turn into a, a pretty ugly looking score. Like I, that will make me feel great about the season, but that's going to be one of those ones where you're just looking for, look for bright spots. Yeah. And, and we will have some time to talk schedules and stuff, but yeah, I, I think that number could get inflated a little bit. I'm really interested because I think, you know, we talked about some of those young guys that I think might be factors later on. I, I am more in the line of thinking this is a defense that will be, We've been waiting for a rice defense to like be more lucky and opportunistic and get more turnovers. I think this might be a defense that has a bit more havoc to it. And I think because, you know, we talked about, so we talked about the, the secondary, I think also the JT Daniels impact on how you call a defensive game has to matter a little bit. And the fact that you can take more risks because you feel better that if you make a mistake on defense, you have somebody that can make up for it. So I'm not saying that this is how the conversations are happening in the building, but it wouldn't surprise me if you say, hey, let's roll the dice. Let's call this extra extra guy in on third down and, and blitz and live with what happens because we can turn it over to JT. So this can be a defense that averages or allows 28 points per game, but you also have more more volatility upside, maybe not volatility, but upside on the other side. So yeah, I I don't think it's going to be. I think middle of the road. I would I would say twenty six and a half, 
probably feels good. I might go a little bit over that, but yeah, 34.2. I was just like, how, how gosh, none of that again. Okay. Next one. Uh, Coleman Coco sacks Gabe Taylor passes defended. So I had to go back and look last year. Gabe had six passes defensed and the only player on the team that had more than six sacks was Josh Piercy. So uh, I'm going to say Gabe Taylor passes defended. Yeah, I don't think this is close. I think Gabe gets double digits passes defended this year. Yep. And yep. I don't I don't think we have a 10. There's going to be I you have to go back and say the last time Rice has had a 10 sack guy. Um, yeah, I think this is pretty easily Gabe, but I I I'm on on board with the Coco, you know, seven or eight sacks, like pr- productive. Yeah, if he's in that five to ten range, like. You like, get him and Josh Piercy plus six. That, yeah, that'll, that'll do just fine. Had. Yeah. Uh, next one. Uh, Rice yards per carry allowed. Or games holding an opponent under 20. What number is going to be bigger? So I was kind of mentally putting this together in my head, and you got uh, one FCS game. That's Texas Southern. That tra- that turned into a track meet when they played two years ago. Yeah. So maybe I set my bar Hopefully, too low. Yeah. Uh, that one, and I don't know. I mean, we've seen Rice play plenty of, like, random defensive slugfests. Uh but 20 points ain't all that much these days. And you're playing <laughs> two power five teams. Yeah, I guess you count Houston. Uh, you're playing Tulane. You're playing SMU. You're playing UTSA. UTSA. That's um, a lot. That's a lot of big offenses on the schedule. That's also another reason why this defense might play considerably better than last year. And hopefully it won't be 34 points a game. But like... The points per game number might be high for like I, it wouldn't like even if this defense comes out on on cut yeah on kind of the optimistic end of the like quality of play that we're expecting here the numbers could still be like again hopefully better than last year but like might be a little on the ugly side just there are some really really good offenses on the schedule. Yeah, I think that's fair. I was thinking, man, how yards per carry? I'm like, if you can keep, if we can get back closer to like under four, that's really what I was hoping for. I'm like, give me like 3.8, like, please. That'd be, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's kind of one of the things I talked about I'm concerned about, but then you got to get to four uh, games under 20 points. And yeah, maybe that does feel like a lot, like, Tulsa, Charlotte, I don't think either of those offenses is going to be that special. I think ECU is interesting. USF. Uh, like, so I, 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 we talked about the big offenses. I think there's equally number of offenses that I'm not really that concerned about. But yeah, if I set it at 28, I think we probably get, we, we get four under 28. Yeah. But that's 20. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Okay. Uh, more or less. This is, I, I I'm, piecing through this one a third down conversion rate defense or offense so 
which uh, which number is higher? The the conversion rate allowed on third down by the defense or the conversion rate gained on third down by the offense? <sighs> I wrote this down. I had to think about it for a long, hard second to kind of like make sure I could mentally compute what was happening. Like, yeah, you got to ca- carry the one. Um, there's some math involved. And this was a offense that like was not great on third down last year. But uh, JT Daniels exists now, and yeah, we like the running backs. And this is defense that was like woefully bad on third down. So I, I think both regressed the other way. I think the offense was too unlucky on third down, and the defense was too unlucky. So I think the defense gets a little better, and the offense gets a little better. Where yeah, do they cross from, in the just night? Just from randomness, <laughs> and then yes. And then, like, the defense probably plays a little better than they did last year, and the offense probably played, you know, knock on wood, hopefully plays a lot better than they did last year. Um, This is a tough one. There's a part of me that wants to say offense because against the, like, the really, really good offenses they face, like, uh, like, not to be too much of a downer here, before the well before the game but like how many how many first downs do we think they're going to get texas to or so, sorry like like how, how many times is yeah. is yeah how many times is texas actually going to be playing third down because when offenses are really cooking like they're not even getting a third down all that much and um you know we'll see what to let like the heavyweights in this conference end up looking like whether they're really at that level but um and you want to hear one more interesting little tidbit as you kind of process this uh, conversion rate on offense uh, last year on third down was 41% defense, 41%. Exactly the same. Really? For Rice last year? Yep. Huh. I wouldn't have realized they were that close. Okay. Yeah. I'm going offense then. Yes. Yeah, I, I didn't either. I, I'm going to, I, some of these I cheat and I look up where we stand beforehand, but I'm looking at it now. Yeah. I, so, oh yeah. That's I, a lot closer than I thought it would have been. Same. Yeah. I would have thought that the, the defensive rate would be much higher, but yeah, I if, did, if they were do all my homework, <laughs> if they were the same last <laughs> year, like the offense should be better and the defense should be also better. So the offensive rate should go up and the defensive rate should go down ideally. So yeah, I would say offense. All right. I'm I'm there too. Um scoreless fourth quarters for the defense uh uh versus defensive touchdowns. <sighs> oh, the defensive touchdowns are so random is the thing. I just there uh, hasn't been enough of them. I feel like we got to like have a fluke year where we get like four or five Three or four. Three or four. Four or five is aggressive. Um, uh, these are ones where I just, I wish I knew, like, <laughs> like on on average, just at, like, pure random chance, like, how many defensive touchdowns does a team usually score in a year? Uh. I mean, just anecdotally, I'm thinking through the last couple of years, Rice has probably been one and a half. Yeah. And they've been unusually low. So what's a normal number? Like like three? We'll, 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 
we'll call it, yeah, a shade under three. That sounds reasonable. No special teams touchdowns. We've been waiting for a while for those. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I think they gotta I think you gotta have more like more than three scoreless fourth quarters. Um you talk about some of those like we're talking about holding teams under twenty points. I don't know. I think they have enough on the the schedule versus some teams that are less imposing that man, this is I think the defense is maybe not going to be able to slam the door as often as, as maybe we all want, but I think I think they might be able to find a couple. I think it's going to be yeah. I think and I think there, there are going to be a few where if the offense is really clicking, they'll get out to a lead and be able to kind of like if they're if they're really cooking on the kind of pin their ears back on defense, like that could lead to like. Not the way like the (laughs) Southern Miss game went in 2020, you know, like sometimes you get a lead and things just snowball for you. And I think this team finally, for the first time in ages, has an offense that's capable of doing that to teams. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if you saw one or two of those. Okay, we'll go scoreless fourths, but like I'm completely okay with uh, throwing in a couple field goals for the other team if we get to see a couple more defensive touchdowns. Yep, yep. Agreed. If we get to barter. I would be very happy for the defensive <laughs> touchdowns to be higher, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, interceptions for the defense versus games played. This has game, been a team that... Games played. Yeah, to- total games played. <laughs> yeah. They uh, had eight interceptions as a team last year in Actually, more than games. I thought. Uh, they had 14 in 2021 Hmm. and going back to 2026 of course five of those came in one game against marshall god uh 2019 we were low six in 2019 and eight in 2018 so like abnormally abysmally low for a while and then had a couple decent years on a just per game basis um i don't know man i I think they're going to have more more interceptions than games. I I can see it. Add it together, like just and I'm not even talking like a fluky like what was that year that FAU had like 28 picks or something like that. Yeah, like no, I don't that's even think absurd. it has to be fluky. I just I'm envisioning a scenario where it's it's 28-14 in the fourth quarter and Rice is protecting a lead and. That's true. You you could definitely see more from teams if Rice is actually leading games this year by a decent amount. Teams that are forced to throw, like honestly, probably a big part of the reason they haven't uh, had that many in recent years. But uh, I'm not going to put the number at like 18, but I wouldn't be surprised as you get you get one a game. Yeah, that seems reasonable feels like i i know we're we're preseason optimism but i feel like that's that's one that i i can i can bet on randomness a little bit and it's, it's gonna come down at some point one of these years we say we're gonna get the positive turnover uh, <laughs> you know ratio it's it's gonna come and why not why not this year i'd be in i think that's everything did we miss anything is there anything uh-huh. that we haven't talked about on defense that that we should have i We've hit the big games. 
think we pretty much got it. Big theories. Um, so stay tuned. Yeah, for the um, you know we'll kick Texas to the curb. We've got uh, uh you know two out <laughs> two hours of special teams previews coming at you next week. Really breaking down holder mechanics. Uh, you know the precise spin you want on a long snap. You know just really diving in. I I wouldn't put it past us. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure we could get a long snapper on here to uh, to break things down for us. I would love that to would one good. day. Like, I think that would be a fun thing to to get a long, find a long snapper who can just huh, go long. Um, who can just wax poetic about the finer details of the craft and just sort of like, you know, set him up and let him go. I, you know, and I'm not going to bury the lead here, but we do have a long snapper competition going through through camp right now we have two basically there's, brand new long snappers there's the content we all want <laughs> i i haven't dug deep into it uh but you know maybe maybe there's an opportunity here we could uh we'll see stay tuned next week it might be two hours long snapper talk uh, we do love our long snappers and it, it might be something else we'll see depends on how we're feeling <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that's it for our uh, non-game week preview content for the 2023 season. Uh, so thanks, we we have we you you made it. We're here. It's it's by the time you are hearing the next episode of this podcast, it will be game week. So uh, congratulations to you and to us. We survived the 2023 off season. So we'll see y'all back, uh, I guess, talking about Texas next week. Uh, and, of course, for hours and hours of breathless long snapper competition content. Uh, but we will see y'all then. And Rice Fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.